0: Love Talk Radio
1: J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. We will be speaking with the author of this book, Talking Back to Dr. Phil, Alternatives in Mainstream Psychology, David Bedrick. And just prior to that, I just want to uh, tell you all how much I appreciate when you tune in and get the uh, essence of this show, A Better World which, as you all know, those of you who listen with any regularity, is always emphasizing this theme of who we are and what do we do to create a better world, whether that's at home or that's in our village, our town, our city, our nation, our planet. And, of course, I always encourage people to, you know, act locally but think universally, because that's the way it goes. If we're going to align ourselves with you can say universal principles and bring those to bear at our home space where we live, where we work, how and where we operate we're going to be bringing a level of intelligence of meaning, of thought, of compassion, of love into the heart space of where we live, the real pulse of our lives. And as all of you, or most of you know, we have a website www.abetterworld.tv and we have a weekly newsletter where we announce the shows we have on every week, both on radio and on TV here in New York City. So get yourselves onto the newsletter, abetterworld.tv and learn who we will be having when. For instance, this week on television is Diane Collins, the author of How to Quantum Think, and, well, obviously we have David Bedrick on, who all will be joining me in a moment uh, to talk about his work as a psychotherapist, a counselor psychotherapist with, interestingly, a background in law. So, He has had a very interesting and varied kind of professional life, which makes the fun of discussion with him all the more lively. Let me say a couple of words about this book. Uh, In short, David Bedrick has written this book uh, talking back to Dr. Phil, alternatives to mainstream psychology. Like much of our culture's pop psychology quick fixes, Dr. Phil's counsel can leave and have left many people feeling confused and inadequate. In this book, which will be the subject of our, our uh, session, our uh, interview today, uh, we will be speaking with David, who, as I said, is a counselor. He has studied the work of Arnold Mendel, a very interesting Jungian-oriented psychotherapist. And we'll be bringing that perspective to bear distinct from and contrast with what has gotten passed off as deep psychology that you find on, well, the TV and through such folks as Dr. Phil. With all due respect to him, he's done a good service to many and he's done a disservice to others. So, it's with respect that we will proceed today, but we will also definitely be showing alternatives, as David calls it, to mainstream psychology. So, David Bedrick, are you on the line with us? I am.
0: How you doing, Mitch?
1: I'm doing very well, thanks. Very well. I'm very pleased to have you on. I've been looking over your book uh, for the past period of time, David, and it looks very engaging, and I I would really like to know from you directly, what is it that inspired you to give it this name, and what is the dissatisfaction that you personally and professionally have felt with who Dr. Phil is as a psychologist and with what he represents?
0: Oh, um, well, thanks for asking. Um Actually, I was writing a book for many years about shame, and it was one of those books that some people Hello? described that I couldn't stop writing, and I kept on adding to and adding to. I was a little bit crazy, you might say, <laughs> of being, being okay, an no, overachiever. say that again
1: because somehow or another we missed that first part of the sentence. Take it oh, okay, from yeah, back. i back.
0: Yeah, I, said I, was, I was working on a book on shame, actually. And I kept writing new sections of it, and I couldn't stop. I kept on, and it needs this section, it needs another section, it needs another section. And Uh somebody said to me one day, well, what do you do when you're not writing and counseling and doing your law practice? And I got a little embarrassed, Mitch, realizing that I sometimes am on this little elliptical trainer in my house watching Dr. Phil shows, (laughs) and I didn't want to (laughs) tell them.
1: I thought they shouldn't know that
0: I'm sitting around right, (laughs) watching Dr. Phil. So I said, eating bonbons, eating eating bonbons and and watching Dr. Phil doing things I'm not supposed (laughs) to be doing. Shame on me. (laughs) That's very
1: funny. That's very funny. But so what was it about watching him and observing him in action with his, you know, TV clients that uh, inspired you to actually name your book? Talking
0: Back to Dr. Phil. Well, while I was watching him, what I found myself doing and enjoying you're, during you my- Are you
1: on a landline or are you on a cell phone?
0: I'm on a landline, but I've, I'm noticing also every so often it's chopping out. Should I do anything yeah. to try to... Re- I, I
1: should have I try- no idea unless you want to call right back. call. But let me try the- call... Yeah. I'll, Why don't you I'll do call that? right back. Sounds good. Okay. Same number, You'll right? Waiting. Yes, okay. same number. We'll okay. have commercial identification here at a better world. You know, it's particularly fun for me, everyone, to speak with another counselor and therapist because I've been in this field for several decades. I'll let it go at that. And uh it's not often that I identify another colleague uh, even from afar that I really want to speak with. I know that doesn't sound very nice, but um, it's been the case. It's been the case, and truly there are many bright and gifted therapists, thankfully, because psychotherapy is so important a modality for coming to a sense of peace, balance, and well-being I think it's been highly underrated, and I also don't think that the training has really been adequate and sufficient uh, so that it would be playing a more robust role in our world. And it's for these reasons that I would like to have David Bedrick on today's show to speak with us about some of those inadequacies and some of its strengths. So David, you're back.
0: I'm back. How how are we how are we connected now?
1: Uh so far so good. Let's just proceed oh. and if there's a little blip in the screen, then I'll just ask you to repeat that sentence. That's all. Okay. Okay, so hit it. I was asked, "Do you want me to repeat the question?" It's talking back to Dr. Phil.
0: "How did you come up with that name?
1: What was it about your bonbon eating afternoons with Dr. Phil hmm.
0: that Inspired you. Well, I found myself literally talking back to Dr. Phil. I would talk to the TV and say, "Oh, I can't believe you said that. Why would you do that? I disagree with that. I was, I was I having a good time having a having a dialogue with nobody on the other side. It's always easier that way, you know. I was winning. Talk back to you, right? Exactly. Okay. I think- so, what what was it that you were saying to him? <laughs> the thing that that. Upsets me and let me just make a distinction dr phil as a person or as a private counselor i, I don't know anything about him right so sure. what i'm really speaking to specifically is the tv show and the reason why i'm focusing on the tv show even more than his books and is because the tv is an educator of millions of people there there's millions of people who watch that show every day so they're being educated. And it's not just by Dr. Phil. It's by something I call mainstream uh, psychology. And it it, it it infects itself, c-through it our out. psyches.
1: You said people it's were bad. being educated. Say <sighs> it again.
0: Ugh it is terrible. I'm upset that about is the frustrating. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Okay. Me neither. I'm trying one other thing, maybe this is better, I don't know. Okay. okay. Um, um so people are being educated by the TV, by popular psychology. It's not only yes. by Dr. Phil. It's by mainstream psychological thinking. And that thinking yes. goes something like this. Dr. Phil would say, if you said you were doing something that wasn't didn't look so good, eating too much ice cream or saying things yes. to you, a partner that you didn't like, whatever it was going to be, or or being depressed and rather than going out and taking a run and laying down, right? Doctor Phil yes. might say, What are you what are you thinking? Right? Uh, yeah, is that working? Whoops. What's happening? Are we not? Wow, done? it's really going inside and out. Jesus. Um. I have no but idea keep continue.
1: I'm it's ninety percent, and I will simply ask you if. Uh, let me see if. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, I'm really okay. sorry about this.
1: That's okay. No, just, no, no, don't don't worry. Uh, my okay. intern just. Uh, I emed me that it is slipping a bit. And um so just continue. So it may not be if, my thing uh, then. A sentence just falls off a cliff, I'll yell help. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So you were saying so,
0: Yeah. Mainstream psychology, which Dr. Phil forwards on his show, does something like this. If you bring a problem to yourself, to your friends, to many blogs, to many self help books. They treat you like a Dr. Phil, and they say, "Well, is that working for you? Is it working for you eating that ice cream? Is it working for you saying those words to your partner? Is it working yes. for you uh, laying down when you get sad, as opposed to going for a run?" As if is all you needed to do was say, "Oh yeah, I got it. I'm dumb. What's wrong with me? I didn't realize that shouldn't. I shouldn't do that. I should change my behavior." That notion does a number of things that are not so useful. One, it makes Mm -hmm. people think that they can change themselves easily. And if the thing is is something strong in them, if if what they're struggling with is something strong, they won't be successful. That's why 90% of diet programs don't work, a $60 billion Mm -hmm. industry. Which is an article
1: that you wrote for Psychology Today, actually.
0: That's right. So that's what – the next thing it does is it shames people. What's wrong with me? Not only am I eating too much ice cream, but it should be obvious it's not good for my health – there must be something wrong with me—a screw loose yes. somewhere in my psyche or mind. Otherwise, I would stop doing it. That thinking yes. is hurtful. It doesn't help. It makes the problem worse. It's just not helpful. We all do that to ourselves all the how time.
1: How so? Could you describe how, from your point of view, it would? Yeah, it, uh, it, uh, it's it's um, uh, dangerous—not dangerous, but harmful. And as a therapist, how would you approach that same issue?
0: Right. Like if a person comes to me and I can think of a person who says, I'm eating too much ice cream, and I'll say, tell me about it, they will proceed with a whole bunch of self-criticism. They might say, I, what's wrong with me? Maybe my father did the same damn thing, or my mother, she had had uh, um, uh, diabetes. I can't believe I'm doing this. If I had any discipline, I would be better about this and worse. So if you hear the tone and energy, it's like a rhythm of self-criticism. right? Mm-hmm. And if you ask that person... If you ask that person, and how long have you been thinking that way? They might say 10 years. Say, how often has it helped you lose weight? (laughs) Never (laughs) for more than a couple of
1: days. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to interrupt you for one moment uh, only to share something with you that I think that you would very much appreciate, which is uh, at the end of Woody Allen's Annie Hall, when, do you remember, he tries to recreate his relationship with Diane Keaton, and he invites some, you know, tall sexy blonde over, and he recreates the scene of preparing lobsters for them, and the woman looks at him, and when Annie Holland, he did it, they were hysterically laughing, he says, go grab the butter dish because the lobster crawled behind the refrigerator, we'll get him there (laughs) It was a hysterical scene, all, of course, spontaneous. And when he staged it, the woman looked at him like he was not well. And when he caught that vibe, if you will, he said to her, ah, don't mind me, I haven't been myself since I uh, quit smoking. She said, well, when did you do that? he said, oh, about 15 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, ta-dum-tum. excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt, but please no, go No, on. no, no, it's great. It's the same idea, right? It's the same idea. <laughs> I've it's been
0: criticizing
1: idea. myself for all ten years, you were saying, about eating too much ice cream, but yet, mm-hmm. even with the threat that my mother had diabetes, my father lost a limb, you know, etc., right. it's somehow, I must be something... Something's terribly wrong with me because I still can't stop.
0: Right. A person, a person, the person uh, wrote to me today, and they said they were watching a Dr. Oz show, and he took out this hunk of fat, you know, some kind of fat out of the body, and said, "Look at what this looks like. That you're that you're creating in your body by eating." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If if self-criticism changed people, we would have the 60 billion dollar diet industry would be gone. The addiction yeah. industry would be would be gone. There'd be no need for AA. People walking around criticizing themselves for acting certain ways all day long. It's right. not therapy, folks. <laughs> no, right. It's just nasty. I would say. Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Self-deprecation doesn't really forward the action.
0: It doesn't. It doesn't. It actually right. interesting that it pushes the problem further away. I had a great story recently. A woman came to me and said. She wants to exercise more, and she's been wanting to do this. She's in her late 30s. She's been wanting to do this for 15 years. She always starts and stops. How come she can't exercise more? It doesn't seem like a hard thing to get up and even do a 20-minute walk or a run or something like that. Right. So, so popular psychology would say, let's find a way to motivate her to exercise. Maybe mm-hmm. we should change her schedule. Maybe we should give her reinforcement. Maybe she should do it at night. Maybe she should do it in the afternoon. Maybe she should drink water first. We could have a zillion and one answers. The thing that oh, You no could one say external dec- manipulations. That's right. External manipulations. Oh, don't be lazy. Or we can criticize her. Do you, you notice look at how much you get thinner or your muscles get bigger when you exercise. We could try all these things. But the humor of it, it's like, it's like a crazy wisdom that's in people. The humor mm-hmm. is that no one ever asks I wonder what's so good about not exercising.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's other
1: see the good in what's going on.
0: That's right. She must be doing something. Not exercising must be so yummy that it overpowers fifteen years of effort, right? right. Don't you want to know what's what's so good about not exercising? So I said to her, right. "Tell me about not exercising. Just what, what do you mean? It's bad. You should exercise." I say, let's imagine that you're going to exercise tomorrow morning. Okay, tell me what happens. Well, I'm in bed and I think, oh, I don't want to exercise. Yes, tell me more about that. Lay down. Don't exercise in this imagination, this fantasy we're having. What's so good about lying in bed? Oh, an extra 10 minutes in the morning. Yeah, let me me make believe I'm talking to you right next to you in your bed asking you about that. All, all day long, I'm on schedule. This person wants something from me. This person wants something from me. Everybody, I'm responsible to everybody, uh-huh. except to exercise. She gets this big <laughs> smile on her face. I said, what's that? She said, it's the only thing I get to blow off. <laughs> mm. That's really important mm-hmm. to me. So that means that blowing things off, saying no, not doing what, quote, unquote, she's supposed to, is really yummy. I better find other ways and other things that she needs to blow off in life. Otherwise, she has one place to practice something that's really important to her, saying, screw you to everybody. She does it in one place. Exercise, she gets to say, ha, 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 here's my finger. (laughs) You know. You could stick it somewhere, so to speak. I have to support that impulse. She needs to blow things off. If I don't get behind that energy, I'm never going to help her exercise. I'm never going to help her whole life improve because she's bound by things she doesn't she shouldn't be only bound by. Mhm. Yes. Yes,
1: I hear it. Okay. So, in other words, what you do is you you find
0: out again. The
1: payoff in the behavior or the attitude. Hello. That yeah. Hello?
0: Yeah, yeah. I lost a little bit there, but go ahead.
1: Okay. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can hear you now.
1: Okay. Uh you search, David, for the payoff of the behavior or the attitude that they are coming in complaining about, you find the the silver lining, so to speak, of why there's a power there. It's not a mistake that it's there. There's something in it, and it usually has something to do with wielding some kind of power over that part of themselves if they're not able to do it somewhere else, like her schedule, for instance. Would that be a way said. of putting
0: it? Beautifully yep. said. It's a silver lining. And not only can she use that knowledge to begin exercising, but, she can, but her whole life can get better because there are many things she ought to say no to. So yes. her diet program, her exercise program, is not going to be only around scheduling her gym time. It's going to be by telling her boss, I'm taking a half a day off. It's going to be by telling uh, her spouse, I need a couple hours to go for a walk today. Her whole yes. life is going to grow, and it's not going to look exercise-focused. It's going to end up looking life-focused. Her life is going to unfold in a more beautiful way. Now, that's not only easy, because telling her husband, I don't feel like hanging out with you today, blowing him off, so to speak, she's going to feel like, that's not so easy. It's easier to blow off the the exercise. She has to learn that, so she has to learn to make her relationship more potent in that case so that she can uh, free her exercise uh, life. That is a kind of an exercise. Mm -hmm.
1: So that's right. It's an exercise, and... You know, an old uh, mentor for me even though I never met him, I wasn't old enough to, but was George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, uh, known as a spiritual teacher and master, uh, referred to himself as a teacher of dance. And those were sacred dances actually of the Sufis. That's a whole other conversation. But I bring him up here because he used to say that human beings really needed to learn to love first through the loving of plants. Gorgeous. First learn to love plants. Mm. Then learn to love animals. Four-legged animals. Learn to love them unconditionally. And do these before you consider Entering the space of loving a human being who is so much more complex, you won't believe it. you wouldn't believe it anyway, I just that came to mind as you were speaking, David, because we have such issues with love and with empowerment and what we do with these, and uh we don't even know how to love ourselves, let alone others.
0: Wonderfully you said. It's, yeah, yeah. It's wonderfully said how do we love the things about us that we don't like? That our use of oh, substances, shucks. our eating habits, our depression, That was such a pregnant our, sentence our you started Wait a good. minute.
1: How do we love the things you started to say?
0: Yes. That we, yeah. Yeah, that we like that we that we are disturbed by, that we least like about yes. ourselves. The way yeah. we eat, the way we speak to others, our selfishness, our
1: anxieties—these
0: yes. are like plants growing in us. They really are. And if you look at them and think, "Oh, that's a terrible part of me. I'm going to exorcise it. I'm going to get rid of it." Yes. And I'm not suggesting yes. that we should let ourselves do hurt people and things. That's that's worth considering sure. also in in a special sure. way. But how do you wrap your arms around that and say? I'm not against you. I'm interested in you, knowing you, caring about you. Um, I had a man who I'm working with. These uh, people will allow me to tell their stories, by the way. Uh yes. And uh, he, he's a he he's a, has an addiction to cocaine, among other things, speed, and other kinds of things that he takes yes. to the hypodermic many times a day. He's gone through various addiction programs. So mm-hmm. we, as a caring person, as the world system, we kind of want to get yes. him off that drug. Because we see a lot of negative things happening around that person who uses that drug, to their body, to other people. But how do you love what he's doing? Not love meaning saying, oh, great, go ahead, stick needles in your arm. But how do you love that? And for me it means to say, could you tell me what it's like to put that needle of cocaine in your arm? Because I don't even know what plant I'm looking at yet. I have no idea what he's doing other than my label. He's bad. I do want him to stop. Let me be clear. I want him to stop. Yes. But I yes. do think, what are you doing? And he describes this experience. He, he describes the experience of getting a rush. And he looks at me with these intense eyes. Of getting this, a in rush. His hand. And he looks bright and alive and Hello. vibrant like he never looks other, other times. We are
1: speaking with David Bedford when we're able to. we the author of Talking Back to Dr. Phil. Alternatives to mainstream psychology. He is a therapist and counselor himself, as well as a, a, a lawyer, actually. But his uh, real love at this point is working with clients. So uh, pick up where you left off there, David.
0: Hello? Yeah, yeah, there we go. It, it, it's, it's coming in. Yeah, we're this still coming so in and out. Oh, I have
1: no idea why you're going in and out like that.
0: Uh, I think we again. should
1: lodge a complaint with Verizon or someone.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I can't
0: I'm hearing you all, one word every five seconds. That's awful. i I've I've tried switching there my phones. It's never it's never happened before like this. So I'm I've had two phones, they're both landlines, I've switched back and forth between them. I'm not using oh a headpiece anyway, doing all the things wow. I can think of doing.
1: I have um, no clue. But I'm glad you're back.
0: Yeah. I'm glad I'm back.
1: So Sure. So you were saying that you asked him to give you some sense of that experience, and he said the rush that happens, and then dot dot dot.
0: Yeah, I miss, I missed you again. <laughs> you missed it. me
1: too. Oh, so there are moments you can't hear me either.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you've been come, You've been blanking in and out. Yeah, also. Oh my! Oh
1: my! Yeah. Okay. So I'll try it again. Um you started to say about this particular client who has a cocaine addiction. Can you hear yes. me? Yes, yes. That that he uh, that he um was describing to you that he gets this tremendous rush from uh, from um shooting up cocaine. That's right. Okay. And then what else?
0: Yeah. So what happens is then He's with a family and system that are trying to chill him out so he can be more conscious and careful with his life. This guy is never going to be satisfied by a chilled out life. He's looking for a rush in life. So my approach with him is to say, where else do you get that rush? Well, I wish I could play music. That's the place. So if I can't help him, if I can't help him find somewhere where he feels that kind of aliveness, The potency of my interventions are going to be so low that they won't have any effect. I can't con him, talk to him, cajole him, convince him, tell him he should be nicer to himself. This guy needs to be met in a way that's intense as heck. I need to say to him, music is going to be as good as sticking a needle in your arm. Are you going to go for that music? Because if I try to tell him you need to live a more sane life, He's gonna le- walk out of my office, and I should expect him to go put a needle back in his arm because I'm not talking yes. to a cocaine addict, <laughs> right? Yes. The cocaine yes. addict is looking for the rush of life. He better damn well find that, or nothing is gonna hold. Yeah. Nothing will hold his attention. That's right. Well, all he'll listen to me if I said, you know, it's bad, and you got to do this, and you should do your program and do your methadone program. He would listen, and it's reasonable. But I'm not talking to the person who's putting the needle in their arm. That person's one intense character. Right? Right. He's an alive right. character. I better get alive with him. I better see that spark in his eyes towards something because that's what he's saying he's looking for. And right now he's found one place to access the most important experience of his life, and that's through the substance. I better damn well yeah. find out how else he can access that. Otherwise, he's going to go right back there. I can predict that. Most people do, by the way. Yes,
1: so in this instance, um, what have you, so in a sense what you're doing is you're supplanting, to continue upon here, um, you're supplanting uh, one behavior with another that has similar effect.
0: That's right, that's right, we're looking for the that juice that the person is getting in their experience, not exercising, gets them to blow things off. Cocaine gets him a rush. I'm looking to learn from the intelligence of his behavior, the intelligence of looking for the cocaine. The stupidity, we got that, or whatever you want to call that. That's not the best way to manifest something in life. It's probably going to backfire and cause a lot of trouble. But there's something intelligent in it. What he's looking for is something he really needs. If I can't talk to that and learn that, then I don't know how to become an ally and help him move along. Then cocaine is his only quote-unquote real friend. And, And what? And help, then, then and help him move along. To help him along a path to get off that drug and into the life that he really is meant for him. Sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah. No, I understand yeah. that that this is uh you know, in uh NLP and other modalities we would call that reframing.
0: Good good word. Where
1: yeah. you take it is, it really is, it's uh, and you take the behavior and you interpret it. You interpret its highest expression, and mm-hmm. it's um, sort of the essence of it, which you did very well when you talked about the rush that he needs in life. He doesn't want a sedate life. I think that's most likely a very true statement. And then you seek to create, help him facilitate a behavioral shift to go to something that's more uh, constructive and really creative mm-hmm. in life than the prior behavior. Um, That's right. In this case.
0: But right. would could you
1: also and I would love for you to bring in a little of what you have learned um from your teacher your teacher Arnold Mendel here, if you would, David. Um could you not um also construe his behavior of the drug use or abuse? as a hiding, as a camouflage of some much deeper, older upsets that he really wanted to get away from. A pain from early childhood abuse, either emotionally or physically, or maybe even trauma, or Mm -hmm. something that occurred that he wants to really get away from. And so, what now looks like his interest in uh, rushes <laughs> is really, but a subterfuge, if you will, for escaping the pain of a prior life.
0: This is a, this is such a I love that you asked this question, Mitch. It's such an important question. People do yeah. have abuses as individuals, as members of certain groups, or traumas that are in their systems and family systems that they yes. wrestle with. There's no doubt yeah. about that. There's no doubt about that. But here's, an, here's, here's where I would part ways with this idea. Yeah. The way people deal with those difficulties, have an intelligence, looking at those, if, when in my experience, looking at a person as if what they're doing is trying to deal with something or deal with, medicate their pain in some way, but there's no Mm -hmm. other meaning in helping them express their authentic nature, tends to make the thing that I'm looking at go away. The thing doesn't want to be looked at that way. The difficult qualities don't want to be looked at that way, so Mm -hmm. much so that they'll go away. And in a way, they're right. They're not being seen for the miracle that they really are. Okay, like, let's look, let, let, let's think about Maya Angela. Some people know, know uh, Maya Angela, a great uh, African-American uh, female poet and poet yes. scholar. And yes. when she was, I think it was six or seven, I'm going to get the exact dates wrong, I think it was six or seven, she was raped by a, by a uh, friend of the family. He was up with her mm-hmm. sort of cousins, her or, or, or aunt and uncle's house up north. And yes. she thought in her child's mind, should I tell my uncle, if I do, he might hurt this man. And she didn't want that man to get hurt, the man mm-hmm. who abused her. So that's, yes. this is her child's mind. So I'm not saying people should agree with it. This is inside a 6, 7-year-old yes. girl's mind. This is how she construes it. And then she decides, uh, okay, I'm going to tell my uncle. Well, a couple of days later, knock, knock, knock on the door. A sheriff is there, and they find this guy who had abused her dead. That had what? That she was dead. They found the guy that abused her dead. Oh. Mm-hmm. She concludes, oh my gosh, I spoke up and this man died. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhat, re- my voice is somewhat. She links the two. Yeah. She links the two. Now, some people can say this is crazy, we need to correct her thinking, but just follow the story. She decides not to speak for about six and a half years. Mm. She didn't speak. They, no one knows what to do with her. They send it to her grandma, and grandma, and and then she doesn't speak. She writes on boards, even in school. Six and a half years, no speaking. She reads, and writes on a little on a little board if she wants to give people messages. So some people could say, "Oh my gosh, there's a whole abuse and trauma." Absolutely, we mm-hmm. should help her speak again. But grandma doesn't say, "Let me help you speak." Grandma says, "You take your time." You're going to be a great teacher, a great orator, a great preacher someday. I know that. Grandma Mm. sees that in the way she's coping, which is a coping to the abuse for sure, but Mm -hmm. in the way she's coping, there's also something special. She's coping in a special way relative to her voice. It's not just any coping strategy. And Grandma sees in that voice incubating, alchemically cooking inside of her, something special is going to come out. And it does. Mm-hmm. And if you ever heard Angela speak, her voice can bring life and death to people. It shakes your bones. It's so incredible. Yeah. So, so if we yeah. look at it only as hiding and dealing with the abuse, that's important. But there's also a gift in there. The way she deals with it is right in the place Uh-oh. where something is special about her. That's so we important the is talent. the last
1: thing we heard. That's important, you said. Dealing with the abuse that way, that is important.
0: Yes, You're also we saying, however... However... We shouldn't miss the fact that this woman has a powerful voice, and that yes, got indeed. accessed and cooked. How are we doing? Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah, that that voice got ac- that cooked. So if we look at her only as a victim, and she was, she was victimized. That, that's not we yes. shouldn't mess with that word, right? She was victimized. Yes. There's no no doubt yes. about it. But if we don't yes. look at the power of her voice, she senses that her voice has been very powerful. It is very powerful. Actually, yes. millions of people want right. to listen to her. So we should pay attention to the fact that this is not only some coping with pain. Her voice cooked and became one of the great voices of our country. Still is. Mm -hmm. Still can bring Mm -hmm. power to people. Still can heal. Still can change you on a dime. She's changed many people by saying certain words. Uh, So I'm saying that the flourishing and flowering of the gift in that trauma sometimes gets missed. And then we miss the process, and we don't see the beauty and magnificent people. We see only the hurt. Not good enough in my mind. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. No, it's a very good point, and I I appreciate it. I think it's a a very important Mm -hmm. point to make. Let's let everybody know that you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin, and our guest today is the author of Talking Back to Dr. Phil, even if you find yourself staring at a television set. They cannot talk back to you. Alternatives <laughs> in mainstream psychology. David Bedrick. David is a practicing counselor and psychotherapist and uh, also has a prior life as a lawyer. And he has evolved from one, <laughs> we could say. Or the two have converged in an interesting way in this really interesting book. He has written for psychology. Today he has been Up to a lot of good things in advancing the understanding of the role of psychology in today's world. And I I, just to tell you, David, I'm I'm very grateful for that. There aren't enough sound, sane voices in the field that are able to reach people, I find. Uh, Many, many, many good people, don't get me wrong. It's just the outreach to mainstream is lacking There's a That's certain um, ivory tower in the field in the psychoanalytic world, etc, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't land on Main Street. It really mm-hmm. stays on Park Avenue. and yeah. um, if you will, continue that mm-hmm. metaphor. And uh, I really think that there's a lot on the grassroots level of our society that could really benefit from some real quality counseling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it shouldn't have mm-hmm. to cost an arm and a leg of people mm-hmm. coming in four days a week for a psychoanalytic session. You know, mm-hmm. all the Woody Allen to continue that metaphor, if you will. <laughs> Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I'm hearing it. Yeah.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> so no, so I'm I'm actually expressing uh, appreciation for you and the work you've done here. Tell us a little bit about, if you would, Arnold Mendel and. Um, who he is, what he uh, has meant to you, and um, what his thinking, how it varies from mainstream Jungian psychoanalysis. Uh,
0: I met Arnie in 91, I think, and I I started studying with him, I think, in 92. um, At that point, there was a five-plus-year full-time training program. It was like an offshoot of the Jung Institute. Um, and you can mm-hmm. train with him, and I did that and became a teacher of his school. Arnie is, has his roots in physics. He was an MIT physicist and Jungian psychology. And and the Jungian psychology is different than most mainstream psychology, yes. similar to what I'm saying here. It says that there's meaning in things. There's not just you're screwed up, we want to help that symptom go away. People's difficulties are meaningful. That means that they're there to in a way that moves people's lives that are in ways that are closer to their authentic nature. It doesn't mean it makes mm-hmm. your life easier. We all know being ourselves is not only easy. <laughs> not everyone yeah, to right. love that. <laughs> not, you're not going to only love it, right? Uh, et cetera. Yeah, right. But it helps that. So Jung has that idea. Arnie uh, took things further, and he started getting interested in two topics that Jung referred to but never went into deeply. One yes. is the body, how the body manifests in its symptomology uh in its symptomology yeah yeah Mm -hmm. how it how it accesses and manifests psychological things for instance let's say somebody says they have a pounding headache yes right there are many kinds of headaches there are pounding headaches piercing headaches headaches that go right to one eye headaches that make you dizzy right so if you ask somebody about their experience and a person says my headache is like a pounding and let 's imagine you could see my fist and it when I hit it on my leg it 's like a pounding headache, and I bang on my leg a couple of times to show you what it 's like. That yeah. fist and it's pounding is all is in my head physically i 'm really having physical headaches it 's not psychosomatic or unreal it's, I have real headaches, yeah. and maybe I should take a Tylenol whatever yeah. I, whatever you do that you think is good do it right it 's not a substance. yes but that banging fist I also may need help with. I might not be supportive enough of that banging fist. What does that mean? That means I might not say, Mitch, I want to talk to you. Wait a second. Can you hear the bang in there? Or, I'm tired of living in Portland. I want to move and finish my book. That might take a banging fist. Or, yes, no, no way. I won't go there. So I'm, I'm trying to use my voice to show you some bang. That person might not feel so free to use that. Yes. Get their head their head doing something. That their energy, their relationships, their personality doesn't feel free to do. So you know what? That 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 happens. That you can look at body. Ah, and body and body. it's cutting out. It is cutting out. Say that again. No. <laughs> stay Did on. Did you say no? You won't. <laughs> I said stay what on. Gonna no, you can't cut out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no more cutting out. <laughs> no more cutting out. Dear whoever you are, Verizon, T. Something in the ether. I have had enough of this. Mitch and I are trying to have a conversation here. Exactly. You Leave us alone. If <laughs> you've got a point to make, make it. But you can't only interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot taunt us for the whole session. <laughs> what's your, what's yeah. your point? You want to interrupt me? What's your point? You know? <laughs> yeah, right,
1: right, 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 right.
0: Should we go somewhere in those directions? You want something from me?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So we're, no, we're please, if you <laughs> would make that second point again.
0: Yeah. One, one was
1: of the body. Attention specifically to the body, and I, if I may throw in a little um, aside here, David, uh, in Chinese medicine, it happens, I've, which I've also, you know, been a practitioner of for many, many years, uh, in addition to psychotherapy there are several different kinds of headaches. There's one headache that would relate to the liver. Another one that would relate to the gallbladder. Another one that could relate to the heart meridian. And, okay, there are different types of headaches. They are not all one as we have in Western medical thinking, generally. Generally. And That's so right. what That's you're right. saying is, Arnold Mendel recognized that also, um, that it came clear to him through language and through um, indicators in the body of a different kind of uh, headache
0: or upset or pain. That's right. Or tumors, where there are different kinds of tumors, or stomach acids, or all these different things have psychological acid. aspects, meaning you could also... You could treat your stomach acid in various ways. Maybe you want to take an antacid. Maybe you don't want to eat cooked tomatoes. Whatever your your approaches are, there are many good ones, and one should deal with that physically because you could hurt yourself. So please do. Don't drink as much uh, orange juice or acidic things. A lot of good stuff. You can look online and find how to reduce stomach acid through diet. You get good good ideas. Or you can go to a medical doctor, and they'll give you some ideas. They'll say, take this. It'll block stomach acid. But acid... But now from a psychological point of view, acid's interesting stuff. Acid burns. It cuts through. That person, yes. So a person who has that acid might need to be a little more acidic. Acidic means yes. a little sharper, a little yes. rougher edge, a little something that you and I might not find only pleasant. For right. instance, I helped somebody who had stomach acid, and, they, and in our opening conversation, they looked at me and they said, you think you can help me? A lot of people have tried. Now, can you hear the acid in that state in my tone? Hey Mitch, yes. you want you think you think you can help me? Go ahead. Yeah, right. I so, dare you. I dare you. That person has like that. There's that, something acidic. It burns a little bit to be on the other side of that. That person's not aware of that acid. They might need yes. something of that. They might be challenging of yes. me, though not directly. They might need to be challenging of themselves or other people. They might need to use that acid in certain ways, and that might help the stomach, but also might improve their life a little bit. They might be too shy, too timid, actually, too accommodating, and a little bit more acidic might be good medicine for their life. So that acid then shows up and needs to be used.
1: What if that acid that you are referring to that you pick up, on in the voice, David, actually serves to drive people away because of
0: its quality? It probably will. Um, It it makes me want to pull back, right? (laughs) When somebody says, you think you could help me, I want to retreat. Part of me does, right? Sure. So I should imagine that that's happening in, in the world. So then there are two things that need to be known. One, can I make that person more conscious of that acidicness, because they're probably not, so that they know how other people feel, but so that they can use it better. It's not meant for yes. everywhere, all interactions, but it might mean right. something. Right. One size <laughs> does not fit all. That's right. They might say, I might say, are you, do you think of yourself as really rough with people? And They might say, oh, no. God, I'm always yeah. doing what everybody says. So that's telling me there's a lot of areas where they don't know how to cut through, get yes. cut through the bull. So they're trying to, you're feeling it, I'm feeling it, but they don't know it. So they need to be able to use that acid more wisely in that way. Yes. So that would be the first uh-huh. thing uh, th- um, that I would think of. Mm-hmm. When they do that, when they do that, will, everybody, will, will everyone kind of feel better with them? Some people will, some people not. They might get into conflicts with people that they didn't have conflicts with before. Mm-hmm. Let's, say it's a woman, let's say it's a woman who's been rather accommodating, and she starts getting a little sharper. People are like, well, we'll deal with that. But let's say she comes out more directly and says, yes. hey, I have my own voice. I'm not so interested in you keeping me down. And if a person is invested in keeping her down, they're not going to have a very good relationship. Right? Yes. <laughs> She's going to go back right. to being either acidic and repressed or sharp and challenging to someone's attitudes that wants to keep her down. So some relationships sharp will get and- more difficult in a... I don't know, good way in the way that they're they're about to become. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. What you're thinking? Right. Yeah.
1: Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's very interesting to to sum up, it's seeing that the manifestation of others, in this case, of course, we're talking about clients Mm -hmm. has a value in it. There's a there's a positive point, as I said before, a a silver lining. There's a a payoff, if you will, of a certain behavior, and a lot of your work, certainly not all, but a good amount of it, is to begin to see how that good behavior, that, um, that payoff, if you will, can pay off in other areas of a person's life and help them release and let go of the behavior that also can be very harmful to them, like in the case of the cocaine client, or in the case of the woman who was especially acidic, driving people away, but maintaining enough acidity to be able to stand up for herself.
0: Or in the case
1: of Maya Angelou, um, letting her powerful voice go silent for a period of time until she was able to speak up again and do it with, uh, after having been patient with her, like her grandmother's patients, come forward in a deeply meaningful way, and what has she become like, but sort of the, the first main poet of the United States, Poet Laureate. Yeah, That's
0: right. People... People are, if I had a single message, it would be, whoops, are we in again? Yes. Okay. I would say, I would say, dear audience, the things that you struggle with, the things that you may least like about yourself may be places where something could grow that is not only magnificent, but would help your life become truer and more authentically yours. Getting rid of it can be a little soulless, make us more conforming and adaptive. I know you're suffering. I know people Mm. wish their bodies were different, wish their feelings were different, wish their relationships were different. But we are diverse, amazing, magnificent creatures. We don't only have easy things. We don't only manifest difficulties that make our lives sweeter and more joyful. Sometimes they make us up against something. Sometimes they give us tumors. Sometimes they give us voices that people won't like you know that will change the world but many people will not be so happy that you're that you're acting that way so right. psychology has become kind of like an accommodating socially normalizing notion uh some yeah. years ago being homosexual was diagnosed we can make that go away we often sure. treat ourselves that way wouldn't it be easier if you didn't have to deal with that some people might say yes but then you right. don't exist <laughs> then you're not yes. you and the world is not is not going to be changed by you is it going to be difficult yes Many yes. uh, sexual preference yes. questioning teens kill themselves. That's how hard it is. Uh, this what is was not that small talk.
1: many sorry?
0: many teens who are questioning their sexualities commit suicide. Yes. This is not small yes. talk. But the things right. that grow in us are not small talk, and are right. worthy of our biggest love, not our biggest condemnation and fixing attitude to make them go away. We're a magnificent yes. creatures much huger than we think, trying to make everything feel good and easy, is not ultimately the deepest resolution to ourselves, to our families, or to humanity as a whole.
1: Very good point. I really very much appreciate it. I think they're Mm -hmm. wise words, and uh, Mm -hmm. I think our audience will hear them well. Mm -hmm. David, I want to thank you for your good work, your book, and your life
0: trajectory. Thank you. Can I can I say my website for people who want to oh, contact please me? do. Please okay. Do. My my book website is called talking back to Dr. It's talking back to DR, the abbreviation for drphil.com. And they can people can find my book there where they can find lots of links to Huffington Post, Psychology Today, lots of articles that people just want to read. Um I do most of my work on phone and Skype around the country, some places out of the country, so if people want to contact me, they can do that there. Uh, but like I said, there's plenty to just read and access that they could link to on the Internet without having to uh, take any other steps just to uh, inquire further.
1: Yeah. Excellent.
0: And we also it's, have thank your you link very
1: much. for the book on our website as well. Yes, uh, listen, I'm so appreciative of what you're doing, and you're most welcome. Thanks for being a guest on today's show.
0: Yeah, And dear, dear Interrupting Spirit, um, I'll talk to you later, but thanks for giving us a little bit more space in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, right. But we'll <laughs> still take this up with you later. <laughs> yeah, but well, we're, we're not done with you somehow. <laughs> that's right. We're not quite done.
1: <laughs> David Bedrick, thanks again for being on with me today, and uh, we'll talk again very soon.
0: Okay, Mitch. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: God bless. This is Mitchell J. Raymond for a Better World. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm so sorry. For those technical glitches, I have no idea what the origins of them were. That was most unusual, but I'm very glad that you stuck it out and were able to get to the end of today's show with us. And uh, That's David Bedrick, the author of Talking Back to Dr. Phil, Alternative to Mainstream Psychology with a Forward Uh, by Arnold Mendel, PhD former physicist from MIT, become Jungian psychologist with, as it would have to be variations, so it became Mendelian. You know, many years ago when I first myself started getting very interested in Carl Gustav Jung, who I just thought was utterly brilliant and an interesting addition, enhancement, augmentation, and variation from Sigmund Freud, uh, for whom I also have a tremendous amount of respect, um, I began contemplating what would it be like to become a Jungian. And early on in my contemplation, I said, wait a minute. I don't want to become a Jungian. I want to become a Rabbinian, Indeed. That's what I am destined to be, a rebellion. And only Jung was destined to be a Jungian. And you know, the fact is, he really did think that. And years later I found out that he was against the formation of the Jung Institute, where people wanted to sort of follow in his footsteps. He felt that that was not the true path of individuation, a word that he uses to describe our cultivation of our own deepest nature and its expression in personality. Our spiritual and psychological walk through life, our path would not be fulfilled if we were taking on the cloaks of another. So on that note I want to tell you all, walk your own path my friends. It's big, it's beautiful, it's glorious and be yourself as well as listen to the great words of the ancient Greek, uh, Dr. Hippocrates, but do no harm to others. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for joining me today, and my guest, David uh, Bedrick, and uh, make sure to go to our website, www.abetterworld.tv pass this on To your friends and family alike. These are educational tools, folks. They can be used and listened to for free, anywhere, anytime. You can also call into our show at 602-753-1860 602-753-1860 in the event that you don't have easy access to the internet. And on our website, we have all of these shows archived and there are many of them and they're awfully fun and interesting. Again, appreciate so much your being part of it and I look forward to seeing you all next.